1: And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. Got off to a little shaky start there. Uh, Some technical difficulties that we're working through, but it's always awesome to be part of a live show and a live production. So we're excited to have you along with us on another Friday afternoon. For those of you that normally uh, tune in on the Zoom conference call, we had to cancel that uh, at the last minute, and we apologize, but we will be back up on Zoom uh, next week. Another uh, fun week for R-Square Consulting. We actually traveled to a client uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Uh, had a fantastic time uh, and really got into nitty gritty of agile transformation i love when we actually get to put practice behind theory so you know often you'll we'll have a lot of agile transformationists on the show we'll talk about agile and project management development practices and one of my absolute favorite things to do in the world is is to apply that and watch that grow within an organization uh, and had a a fantastic time with a new client uh, to be able to do that this week so we can't thank them enough um, and now we're back home and on another Friday show of the Work-Life Balance. So we want to jump right into the show today and, and bring on a dear friend of ours uh, and just an incredible story. And, and, you know, got a chance to meet this person and, and really get to know her more uh, when I was in Costa Rica with the John Maxwell team during during the transformation of Costa Rica. And uh, we've continued to, to talk with each other and get to know each other better. Um, she is an entrepreneur, investor, and international speaker. And she serves as CEO of Balance Back, which is the world's leading manufacturer of diagnostic and treatment devices for dizziness, concussions, and traumatic brain injuries. Now, she has survived a difficult uh, upbringing filled with violence and abuse and single-handedly raised four children and was at one time homeless. And her journey back... Uh, Took her from becoming a number one national sales rep to being fired to becoming CEO of that same company and then taking it international. And now she even shares the stage uh, with Les Brown um, and just shares stories of inspiration. She serves on the President's Advisory Council on the International John Maxwell team and she helps share guidance and experience and motivation to other people. So let's bring her onto the show with us today. Welcome to Marie Cosgrove. We're excited to have you. And I mean, so much to unpack just from that bio, right? I mean, where do you even begin with your story? But why don't you just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience and, and, and let's dive into, I mean, this incredible story of yours with balance Back and, and also just kind of the, the amazing you know, twists and turns that, that you've really had to endure in your life.
2: Sure. Well, I'm, I'm a mom of five. I have four adult children that survived my single parenting. Miraculously. And I have an eight-year-old. I'm 48 years old. And I am really honored to be here. I, you know, I have had a, a, a great, you know, experience in my entrepreneurship journey.
1: And and I mean, we say it tongue in cheek, but I I almost wanted to kill my seventeen year old daughter today. So I mean, it's it is amazing <laughs> that we have children that survive us. Correct?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> so tell me a little of the story. Uh, uh, so you were a number one sales rep for an organization, and then all of a sudden, the rug gets pulled out from you. Talk talk to me about that.
2: Well. I um, I really struggled to get into medical device sales. I, I was in a desperate situation with, as a single mom with four kids at the time. I had no financial support. Dad had lost parental rights. And at that point in my life, I had to quit a corporate job that was paying, you know, pretty good, six-figure. And then I found my, the reason I had to quit was to take care of my children because my son was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, and they said he wouldn't live past 18, but he's 26 now and wow. married and has two kids, so I'm also a grandmother, and I found myself in a situation where I needed to get a, a position in sales where I could do commission-only sales so that I would have the time to take my kids to my doctorate appointment, counseling sessions, and be able also to support ourselves. And I had lost everything. I lost my home. I lost my car. I lost, I lost it all. And with four kids, a single mom. So as you can imagine how devastated I was finding myself in this situation where we had just survived all of this domestic violence. You know, we're homeless. I've got these four kids that I have to feed. And you know how Les Brown always says, you gotta be hungry. Well, I always say, my kids were hungry, Les. <laughs> so not only was I hungry, so were my kids. And I finally got an opportunity to uh, get a job in sales, in medical devices. And they told me that I wouldn't make it during this time period. It was a primarily a male-dominated industry with high capital equipment sales, ranging from thirty dollars to $100,000 worth of equipment. But, you know, I know we have a short time, so I'll just get into how I got into this company, Balance Back. I, I ended up, after working for several companies, I ended up working with Balance Back, and I became the number one sales representative. And then I got a call one day, and I was told that they were going to put me on salary because I was making too much money on commissions. And the salary they wanted to give me was significantly lower than what I was making on commission. And I, I just could not afford to do that as a single mom. So I told them that. I said, I can't, I can't do that. And they said, well, then you can't sell for us. And you know we're going to let you go as a representative. So I started another company and built that up. And with the revenue from that, I was able to buy balance back. But it didn't quite happen seamlessly like that, I actually got a call and I was asked if I would invest two years later, I was asked if I would invest into the company. When I did the valuation, my accountant that was doing the valuation of the company brought the numbers to me and brought to my attention that I had actually done 80% of the sales when they were the most profitable. And then I decided I didn't want to just invest in the company and buy shares. I wanted to buy the entire company. So after six months of negotiations, I ended up buying the company that had let me go.
1: So there, you know, when we were sharing our stories with each other in Costa Rica, there was a couple of things that really resonated with me. Cause it, it, you, there's a lot of different things. One, you and I both w- were let go because we overexceeded our, our commissions. Um, you know, it, it, but the other one is, you know, my wife was, was, as she was pregnant with our, with our son was told that you need to either choose to be a mommy or a sales rep. And, and it just, it's mind boggling to me that you can take somebody who's as successful as you are, who's, who's just cranking out the numbers and, you know, make a decision like that to where, you know, it's just too expensive to pay you what you're worth. And, and, and this it, unfortunately, I think that that is more the norm so much than than it is the rarity these days. And it's just incredible to me that, that people have to deal with that situation. Right.
2: Yes, it, it is. It's, it's, it's pretty sad. And I think what I was actually speaking to another business owner one day, and he was sharing with me how much he's paying somebody out and how expensive it is. And I said, you're looking at it the wrong way. How much are they bringing in? And what kind of loss would your business have if that person wasn't there? And a lot of times we tend to, or business owners may tend to look at, and I think we can do this in all areas of our life, tend to look at the negative side instead of the positive side. What are the, what are the benefits? What's the positive of what's going on in the situation?
1: Yeah, and I think when people start looking at employees as a as a balance item on a balance sheet, we lose the, the perspective of, of what they really bring to the organization and the energy. So we're going to unpack a lot more of your story, Marie. I'm so excited to have you on the show, but we're going to take a quick break, let some commercials run. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance.
0: Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery?
3: In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies
1: And we're back to the work-life balance with Marie Cosgrove. and Marie, right before we went to break, we were talking about your incredible story. and And we almost gloss over this fact. and I, I want to make sure that we come back to it. so you're you're let go from a company for for essentially you know doing too well, and they're trying to cut your salary. And two years later, you get the opportunity to buy back the organization. I want to unpack that a little bit because, you know, there's really two ways that that you can walk in the door, right? First, the person who let you go is is absolutely sweating. We we know this, period. But, uh, you know, if you walked in the door like, hey, check me out, everybody, guess who's back in town, right? Of course, the human reaction, we'd all want that to happen, but you can't do that, right? So talk about, you know, your re-entry into the organization, what that was like in, in some of those stories.
2: Sure. Well, it was definitely humbling being let go because it was a time where, you know, I was really killing it, doing really, really well, and then losing it it just really humbles you. But you don't really have time to be bitter about it, and you just got to move on. So coming back into it, it I never, it, it actually didn't hit me like, oh, I'm buying the company, that let me go. And I remember the day we were signing the the corporate document to buy out the company and Dr. Um, Frank Sharpino says, Marie, I still want to be part of your organization and I think you're awesome and all this stuff. And you know what? No one will ever mess with you again because look what happened last time. They messed with you (laughs) and you came back and bought the company. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I just did, right? But I also even became even more humble because I thought, oh, boy, I'm in front of all of these geniuses. I have these geniuses working with me, doctors and engineers. And I myself am not a doctor. I'm not a clinician. And all of a sudden, I had this feeling of I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. And I began to invest a lot in leadership and invest in my employees. And one of the things that I decided to do to help my employees feel safe, because I, on one hand, I was the sales rep that the engineers did not like because in sales, you always want to please your customer and you want to give them what they want. And if they wanted something, I would have the engineering team, I would call them as a sales rep. Can you do this? Can you do that? And they look at me like, no. And I, I didn't understand why. When when you're in medical as a class two device, you have to you have a lot of regulation. Now, not all companies follow that, but this company does. And so if you're going to make one small change, you've got three months of paperwork with FDA. So it's a big deal, and I didn't quite get it. So I knew that the engineers didn't quite like me that much because I was so demanding as a sales rep. And I thought, oh, boy, I can't afford to lose these guys. And I learned a lot about regulation. I learned a lot about requirements. And I actually learned a lot about some of these requirements requirements that could actually benefit other organizations that don't have to follow these requirements. And I'll get into that later. But one of the things that I did is I gave a certain percentage of ownership to the engineers leading the team and some of the employees. That way they felt secure and it became an employee-owned business. And they knew that I did have their best interests at heart. I valued them. I cared about them. And I started investing in their personal development as well and it actually worked out quite well
1: that's that's really interesting i want to get into that for a second but first you know what 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 i love about you and your story and and you know you're you're just absolutely a powerhouse and a, a force to be reckoned with in in, in personality and in life in general but you know there's so many people who would have taken the loss that you've taken and, and not only that but the stuff that you dealt with throughout your life and um, use that as an excuse to not have to do anything, right? And and in leadership, we teach all the time that that, that life can either happen to you or you can control your life, right? And right. so, I mean, really within a two-year period, you go from no job to owning the company. I mean, you want to talk about just the, the sheer will and perseverance that you, you absolutely amaze me. And it is just... I, I know so many people who would just throw their hands up and and hold out for that management position. Or, I mean, you just absolutely picked yourself up by the bootstraps and went after it. So talk to me for a second, though, because what you just said is I, I love more than anything. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Marcus Limonis. Um and I'm not sure if you, if you know who Marcus is, but uh, he's the prophet on CNBC, and he invests in small businesses. And one of the moves I love to watch him make often is, is investing his equity into the key leaders or the key um, contributors of the organization so that they have that sense of ownership. what was the shift like in your engineers and everyone else once they received some of those those ownership shares?
2: Absolute loyalty they, they they're still with me now and this was eight we're going on our eighth year so I have a lot of the original staff members. And they realized that we, were, we are in this together. And one of the things I'll share with you, um, one of the things they had been working on, they had actually promised their customers that they'd be launching uh, a really, a, a key module for the device. And they had been working on it six years. And I tell you, right after I bought that company, it had taken them six years. And they, and I asked them, how much longer do you think you can get this module out? And they said, well, with FDA and all this stuff, you're looking at about another two years. And once I made that chip and I invested in them, we got that launched within three months.
1: Yeah. It, so- it, see, it, uh, no, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just, again, I come from project management. And so I watch company after company after company uh, constrain the resources by overloading them. They only, you know, once you get into a, many companies out there, you only get 3% to 4% raises every year. Um and, and that's all that they do. They don't invest in training, they don't invest in leadership, and you only get a marginal percentage every year. So there's no incentive to stay. And for for a a monicum shift where you give them shares of the company or give them some ownership or that kind of stuff, the, the revenue growth is is exponential to where, you know, the what you're able to do for them grows even more because of what they're doing for you. Is that correct?
2: That is absolutely correct.
1: Yep. I I just I I wish business leaders, I, I wish you could just sit down and, and speak to the Fortune 100, and just say, look, here here here's what you can do to really start to to impact your bottom line. Invest in people. Absolutely. So, how did you then grow this internationally?
2: Well. That's another challenge with, with businesses. With any business, you have to be ready for market changes or regulatory changes because they can either, they can hit you and they can destroy you or you can grow out of that. And we faced a challenge where there was a lot of fraud in the marketplace and the government came in and said, you know what? Because there's so much fraud, doctors just testing to test without actually um, utilizing it the way it should be. We're going to cut who can use this equipment. And we're going to cut it down to two specialties, neurology and audiology. So all of a sudden, we see changes with the healthcare bill um, under the last administration. And we have seen where 70% of physicians were independent doctors and they would buy their own equipment. All of a sudden that cut back to less than 50%. So already we lost a huge market. On top of that, now you lose an entire market of GPs, internal medicine type physicians when they say only neurologists and audiologists can use this and it's going to be specialized specific to them. And you cut that market significantly much much more. So then I had to look at, okay, we can't really grow here because they've cut the market. What else can we do? Because when a patient has dizziness or balance disorder, if you go to the doctor today, there's a 50% chance, maybe 70% chance, they're going to prescribe a pharmaceutical for you, which is Meclizine or Anavert. And those pharmaceuticals have an 83% failure rate That's huge because it's really for seasickness. sickness It's not for curing anything. So when you have a balance disorder, and I'll make this quick, I apologize, but um, it's generally an inner ear problem, and we have a 99% cure rate. It can be cured. So it's a big disservice not to have this available. So I had to look at, I I don't want to, you know, this is a great product to help patients overall. And we, we were already, we grew into um, Vanderbilt uses our equipment, Yale, Dartmouth, University of Miami. So we've got a lot of prestigious organizations using our equipment. So we grew into other countries and a lot of them or have, um, you know, socialized type medicine. So they're in the same boat where individual physicians are not going to invest in equipment but nonetheless, we, we went into China. So every hospital in China has our equipment. We're in the UK, we're in South America, we're in Canada. So we basically grew international in order to grow our market in our audience. But, you know, we could have easily said, you know what, there's no sense in keeping this open and shut down. But that would hurt so many patients because balance and dizziness can be very debilitating. And there are so many patients that go undiagnosed for up to five years without getting proper treatment. And that's because, you know, this technology is fairly new. You know, some physicians who went to school 20, 30 years ago weren't aware of it. So it was a lesson for me in learning, you know, to be aware of regulatory changes, changes in, in, in the law or compliance. Every business owner needs to be ready for that. To be able to make that shift so that it doesn't destroy their business and you you can actually capitalize on that and find ways to grow your business
1: that's incredible so you're hearing the incredible Marie Cosgrove we're going to continue with her right after the break here on the work-life balance
3: And make everything you've got put you out in front.
0: Are you getting the most out of your project management software? Again, that's one 472 5790 If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back for our third segment of the Work-Life Balance this week. We've been visiting with Marie Cosgrove. She's the CEO of Balance Back. And, you know, Marie, we were talking in that last segment. I'm, I'm on a speaker circuit, um, and, you know, I... I I wonder, like I said, I, I wish that you could sit down with the Fortune 100 and really impart this knowledge um, because you, you resonate because you've been there, right? I, I've watched so many people in the speaker circuit uh, try to give advice or come up with theory, and it's just not authentic. And authenticity is so key when you speak, and I love your authenticity and in, in, in where you come from. Um, and so is that something you're pursuing? Or are you on the speaker circuit? What What are you doing in that area?
2: Oh yes, actually I am speaking. I was the last engagement I had was at Westminster Hall in London. I got to speak with a great panel such as, as Les Brown and I spoke to twenty five hundred entrepreneurs. I will be speaking in January again with a great group of speakers. I Les Brown, I believe it's West um, Smith as well. And i'm really i don't have the dates i just got a call actually earlier this week from les brown that i will be speaking with him in january and he's going to give me the dates and times but i also do speaking for companies and private events as well
1: and so what again so you had this opportunity to speak to entrepreneurs what's what do you speak to them about what do you, what are you trying to get across to them well,
2: it depends what the, what the topic is. For example, in, when I was in London, these were entrepreneurs that were just starting out and they wanted to learn how to build their business. So I spoke on that topic. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to a group of entrepreneurs who already had their businesses and they wanted to know more about sales. How can they grow their business through sales? And I spoke on that topic. My since my background is sales and marketing, I was doing marketing for you know Fortune 100 company USAA, and I handled you know all the the lines of businesses with FedEx, Sprint, and ADT as well. I have a vast vast experience in different areas from marketing, sales to starting a, a business from scratch. Because when I was let go, I started a company with no investors. No financing, started it from scratch, built it to a $14 million business that allowed me the funds to purchase balance back. And then I bought a company that wasn't doing so well because they let go of all of their salespeople and grew it and we have it's been eight years now. So I have a lot of experience that I could impart onto entrepreneurs because nothing makes me happier than seeing business owners succeed or people that start a business and turn it into a million dollar business. And, you know, I think that that's how we grow the economy. That's how we provide more jobs. It's really the business owners that are out there taking those risks to make their businesses successful and grow their businesses
1: and it's tough, I mean, as a small business owner, because generally they are each department, right? They're the AP, AR, sales, marketing, and delivery, right? So there's exactly. a lot of what they don't know.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I've done that. I've been there when I, you know, I had the the company I started was a medical device company. I went through the FDA clearance, and I, and I single-handedly did the FDA clearance. It took me two years because it was just me. Did the sales, did the marketing, and then we grew from that to 14 employees within, you know, after getting our clearance within six months. So I've I've been there, and if you're not prepared for that growth, it could really destroy you. So those, you know, it's it's always important to keep growing and 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 keep learning. I still continue to invest myself in my personal growth because we never stop learning and we never stop growing, and it's great to learn from other people's mistakes. So. I've made lots of mistakes. I've learned a lot and I've had many challenges. It's always better to learn from someone else's mistakes than make them yourself.
1: Well, and, and let's, let's bring that up because it's, it's something that you and I share, I think, a, a, an equal passion for. But uh, talk about how you found the, the John Maxwell team and, and you know what that helps you with.
2: Well, I found the Job Maxwell team because I was looking for a way to grow myself personally and grow my business. I, I felt overwhelmed running a company when I didn't have the education level that my employees had. And so for me, that, way, that was crucial to invest in myself. And that's why I joined so that I can bring some of that leadership into the company but I found that it was, it was so valuable. It helped me grow tremendously. And I continue to invest in myself and continue to invest in my team. And, and my team has that passion for personal growth as well. And we have to take that responsibility. If you're not going to grow if you can't admit where you're weak at or some of your weaknesses or where you're wrong or where you've made mistakes you're not going to be able to grow. So that is so important to be able to do that so that you can continue to learn from that and grow from that and take on that responsibility.
1: Yeah. And and I've shared my story to to the listeners often, but you know, I joined John Maxwell very selfishly. I came in uh, looking to leverage the name and and continue the speaking career. And and then I get to meet, you know, people like you, people like Sheree, people like Dennis, people like Mark, um, you know John uh, Griffin and in just you know Nathan and and you know I, I hate when I start naming names because then you know uh, Amy right because I'm gonna I'm gonna forget <laughs> so many right but like Deb Esslinger and in uh, Dan Culver all these people um, you know and Norma and, and Monica and Daryl you, you, it's just it, I have such a, a wealth of people that I can call at different times for different reasons for different advice it's been it's been truly. Uh, an amazing thing for me. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, it has for me as well. And I love, love, love everybody you mentioned.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's our family and it grows and it continues to grow. That's why I said I I hate to start naming names because then it's going to take me 30 minutes to name all the people that I'm supposed to or I feel really bad if I left somebody off the list. But um, uh, So talk to me a little bit about some of the nonprofit things that you're working with as well.
2: Sure. I, you know, I I did not have a very good upbringing. I had, I had it pretty tough. And when I came to Dayton, the companies in Dayton, I moved from Texas to Dayton because all the engineers are here. And Dayton has one of the highest um, human sex slave trafficking is huge in Dayton, one of the top in the nation. Heroin overdose is one of the top in the nation. And this is not only from inner city, but it, we're also finding a lot of oh, drug overdose among healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses. And just last year, there was a nurse and a pilot who their, their five kids found them in their bedroom, overdosed and dead. And it's just so tragic. So I know there's a lot of people hurting. And when I I drove through downtown Dayton and I saw that there's no churches, all the churches are growing in the outskirts, in the suburbs, no churches. The inner city is full of drugs and violence. The morgue they can't they can't hold dead bodies anymore. There just there's too many. And I said that this, someone has to come in and help these people. So I I was talking to another John Maxwell team member, Elmer Kirbin, and he was in charge of the Crime Stoppers and he says, Marie, the cops here, we're just sitting waiting for it. And and I don't remember what it's called, but it's this can. When someone overdoses, you inject them and hopefully they come back, but they have these Lazarus parties in downtown Dayton. So the police are just there and the EMTs are just there waiting for the call. So they go in and they just inject them. And what do you do? Do you let them die and learn a lesson or life is too valuable? So we go save them, but then they have these Lazarus parties. So it's really crazy And I said, we need to do something for these. And so these kids, so I started what's called the Virtue Project. And what that is, is I coordinate with other business owners and myself to bring in these kids and give them an opportunity to mentor them, giving them hands-on training. In our business, it's a lot of admin stuff, mark marketing type, you know, type of work that we give them to teach them the ropes of business and restaurants as well so that they can learn logistics, they can learn inventory, social media advertising, and things of that nature. So we work with different businesses and we give them work and we give them profit sharing while they're working so that they learn the value of work and the benefits of being an entrepreneur. This way, when they graduate the program, we also teach them values and character building and leadership. They can use those funds to continue their education, or invest in their own side business. In one of the schools that I that I work with, I try to get into the schools and it's it's very political. So they said, you know what, we're gonna allow you to work with these kids. That's Mount Academy. It's a second chance school. These are kids who grew up in the inner city. They have one or two parents both incarcerated. They're fifth generation drug users, if you can imagine that. Their grandparents smoke pot. And they've seen a lot of violence they have they feel like there's no hope for them at whatsoever, so we started the the values based program and leadership with them and did that throughout the year these kids they they can't go back to regular school because they've been kicked out drug users they've done they've committed violent acts and just because they're juveniles they're not in prison but They can stay there till they're 22 to graduate. And if they don't graduate, they'll probably end up in prison like their parents. And when we started the program, nobody was graduating. It was like maybe two out of 100 would maybe graduate. And now we're seeing a huge increase in the graduation rates of these kids that are going through the program. And I was invited to the graduation ceremony just last a couple of months ago, or in May, actually, and one of the girls that, you know, was so depressed, so miserable, now she's excited about life, and she's going to college to become a doctor. And there was two other kids, one's going to be a psychologist, one's going to be a psychiatrist. So these kids are really growing, and it's really a mindset, and it's really um, about investing in themselves and in, in a character and values based and knowing their value, because it doesn't matter where you come from. Everybody has value. Everybody has a purpose, but they didn't feel that. And, and I kind of had that because of my, I, I don't have a dad. I never knew who my dad was because I'm a product of rape. So I know a lot of these kids feel like, well, I grew up poor. I'm dumb. I'm not smart. And when we work with them and let them know that you can actually, um, You know where you are now doesn't doesn't define where you can go, and you're not dumb. And smartness has nothing to do with you know your level of education. You can actually continue your education and continue to grow. We now know that neuroplasticity. Everybody's aware of that's so popular now that we can actually remap the neural pathways in your brain, and you can actually get smarter. So working on yourself, so we started working on them, and and we're seeing huge results, and they started their own business called Urban Youth, and they grow vegetables and herbs to to sell to the local um, restaurants. So it's really neat, so it's called the Virtue Project, and that is what we're doing, is we're teaching young entrepreneurs or young students, regardless of where they came from, that they absolutely have it within themselves to become an entrepreneur themselves or get an education and further their education and go after their dream regardless of where they came from.
1: And what I love about that story, Marie, so many people will say that they're not going to do something or they're not going to try something because they don't know if they can make the difference. And even if you make the difference in one person's life, even if whatever you did, right, it only changed that one girl, which we know you've impacted much more but there's no telling what that one girl right if she becomes the doctor and saves you know hundreds of lives what that what impact and exponential growth that has and i think that that's a call out to the audience to make sure that you do get involved because our youth today need to know that we care and we love them uh and and all they need to know is that somebody does care and it's amazing as to what they'll go and what they'll do with that so we're going to take a break right here and we'll be right back with the work-life balance. You're listening to Rick Morris.
3: In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile. And there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change, and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development life cycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CA PPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than two million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA project and portfolio management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front?
0: Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance.
1: And we're back for the final segment of the work-life balance. We we're actually talking on the break, and Marie just dropped something that I've got to find out. But we, Marie and I were in Costa Rica together, and you said you brought your interpreter to Chicago. Who, who did you bring back?
2: Um. Her her name is Tatiana.
1: Yeah, so Tat- Tatiana was my ter- interpreter too. I love Tatiana.
2: Yeah, she's awesome. So I brought her to Chicago and she got to speak and share her story and I can she is an amazing speaker. You need to have her on your show. I'm I'm serious. You need to have we her on your show. We will absolutely
1: make that happen. I loved Tatiana. She was uh when I went to the um the middle school Uh, the Catholic school in Costa Rica. She was one of our interpreters, Um, and she was phenomenal. I loved her.
2: Well, she has an amazing story. She was raised by a single mom and her siblings, and they lived on the living room floor of her, you know, and no, no mattress, no nothing. And she's the same age as one of my kids. You know, I have four kids. And so when she's telling me her story, I'm like, Your story is my kid's story. you got to share your story. you got to come to Chicago. So she um, came to Chicago with me. I had a speaking engagement. And I said, I'm going to give you a spot on stage. You're going to share your story. She had people in the audience crying. That's how powerful her story was and very inspirational.
1: Ah, that's amazing. Yeah, and Tatiana is the one that we wouldn't let leave the hotel because she was, like, driving crazy crazy amount of time to, to do it. And she was pregnant. And so we ended yeah. up getting a hotel room for her and all that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a fantastic. I need to follow up with you on that. So um we also uh, ask everyone on the show, what is some of the best advice you've ever received?
2: Some of the best advice, there's so much advice.
1: <laughs> I know, right? I it's so best, hard.
2: What, I know it's hard to pick just one, but I guess one of the best pieces of advice you said I ever received is not to compare myself to others because I use it in my business also. And I think as a business, I don't ever compare, you know, myself to, or ourselves to another business. I know a lot of times they say, well, you need to know your competitors, but we always compare ourselves to our, to ourselves where we were yesterday and how we can improve. So we only compare ourselves to ourselves personally. I do in within my business. And I think that has served me very, very well because comparison can get you in so much trouble and i've seen it destroy companies in fact i had a company who kept comparing themselves to us and they filed a frivolous lawsuit against us they lost the lawsuit and the guy ended up getting cancer stressed out and ended up you know he passed away his company died like if he had only compared himself to himself, he would have grown his company and not wasted so many years in trying to destroy someone. And so that's one of the best pieces of advice that I've received. And wow. I've got a lot more, but I know we don't have time for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how do people get in touch with you to, to try to book you to come into their organization and hear your incredible story?
2: Um, they can reach out directly to me at Marie Cosgrove and at COS G-R-O-V as in Victor E at balanceback.com that's B-A-L-A-N-C-E B-A-C-K.com or call 877-633-4999
1: Outstanding. Do you have any final advice or anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap the show?
2: Well, this is a simple advice but it works and it it's it served me well, as well as always smile, even when the day it seems to be super, super dark. Put on a smile, and it'll brighten up your day.
1: Well, thank you so much, Marie, for joining us on this week of the Work-Life Balance. You've been fantastic. And, and again, to tease, we know that uh, you're working on a book, and so when that comes out, we have to have you back.
2: Sure, absolutely. I would love to.
1: And so next week we're going to have James Harrington on the show. He's another fellow uh, Maxwell team member and founder of the Ugandan Water Project. Uh, what a fantastic uh, story he has to share with us. And James is just, uh, we'll, we'll just lay it on the line. James is just a cool dude. I can't, I can't wait to to spend some time with James uh, and have him on the show with us. Uh, the week after that is going to be Daddy Camp, uh, so we'll be doing a replay. Uh, during the week of July 4th as I take that week off with with my kids and and we get to do dumb stuff that mama doesn't like to do. Uh, so uh, next week is James Harrington and then the week after that we'll be doing a replay on the show. So we'd like to thank everybody for joining us again on another edition of the Work-Life Balance. Always reach out to me at, at Rick A. Morris. On Twitter, you can find me on LinkedIn at Rick A. Morris. Facebook is Rick A. Morris and it's Rick at Rick A. Morris or Morris at rsquareconsulting.com and we are... Thankful that you're always with us on the Voice America Business Network. We look forward to talking to you next Friday right here on the Work-Life Balance.